but I think we're going to look back in 20 years and we're going to look at, back at sitting in the office as, you know, now we look at smoking. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. It is so great to have you here. Um, I am back home after a week-long trip to Munich, Germany. Had the opportunity to uh, take a business trip there, and uh, my day job was putting on an event at BMW headquarters, an amazing place to visit their museum, the Welt Museum, as well as the assembly plant. Got to watch a car being uh, created from nothing and uh, watching it come off the line. Amazing opportunity. In addition, I was able to do some tourism. I got to go to Dachau concentration camp and be reminded of what it's like to have your legacy robbed from you for those that spent time there. And it really actually motivated me to be more passionate about the things that I'm trying to do and how I live my life. In addition, I got to go to Neuschwanstein, a castle down in southwest part of Germany, and uh, learn about Mad Ludwig and his storyline. In addition, I also got to spend a day in Salzburg, Austria, which was the birthplace of Mozart, as well as location for much of the filming to uh, Sound of Music. It was glorious um, in its architecture and storyline. That is just an amazing place in the world. Very beautiful, very beautiful. And so I come back from Germany, and I'm just reminded how we get inspired, how we get to see things differently, and how we get to understand how other people might see the world. And I just want to encourage you, if you get an opportunity to have a choice between buying a thing or taking an experience, I want to encourage you to take the experience. Go see the world. All right, that's all I want to say about that. There's lots more you can find on my social feed. You'll see pictures and stuff. I'll probably continue to, to post for the next few days. Ready to take your business up? Then let's get up in your business today. I am speaking with an innovative leader in industrial design. He was a competitive sailor and outdoor lover. And after years of working with Saucony and Timberland and other shoe brands, he developed a hybrid shoe called Keen Shoes. And after selling his ownership to his partner, he left to create another business built around new office furniture dedicated to a healthier lifestyle of working. And his company, Focal Upright, builds adjustable stand-up desks and chairs to create an active office with the mission of make work play. My conversation is with Martin Keen. Let's jump into that interview right now. And I'm here with Martin Keen. Martin, what was the most passionate thing you have done in the last six months? Uh, last six months, um, uh, as far as my business is concerned, I think really launching this new seat, the, mm -hmm. uh, the Pivot Seat. It's been a, uh, a product I've wanted to bring to the market for quite some time, and the response has been fantastic. It's only been out for about a month, and we sold out uh, of our first production. And uh, it's, you know, so it's one of the best things I've done in, in uh, the last six months. I think it's a very exciting time for Focal Upright. I think that's a great product, uh, as we were saying. Um, I've got my eyes on it um, personally. So let's, let's dive into that. So tell us about your company. Tell us about um, kind of your story and how you got to this place. Yeah, well, Focal Upright uh, is located here in North Kingstown, Rhode Island, uh, just south of, of uh, Providence and uh, Central Falls, which is the home of the Industrial Revolution. And you know, we're, we're actually building hard, durable goods here in, on the American shores. So uh, it's been fun to build, build the business. It's been fun to create the product line and and the uh, excitement around this whole new innovative way of working so uh, you know and and what we are 
doing here. We're really building analog product that allows you uh, as a as a physical being to to work in a better postural way with all this incredible technology that we have and not suffer the consequences of of uh, being sedentary or having to sit in a posture that we really weren't designed to sit uh, for you know longer than an hour or two. Um, so we're just you know we're transforming the way people are are thinking about how they are position, positioning themselves physically at work. And for those of you that are listening that might not be familiar with what we're talking about, the focal upright, um, I guess system would be probably a good term for it, is a whole element of being upright for standing at a desk. And myself, I just transitioned to a stand-up desk about two and a half months ago. And at first it was a little challenging, you know, like, because you're not used to standing, right? And so your lower back gets a little sore. And then, you know, you start to engage your, your midsection in ways that you hadn't before, your legs as well. And once you get past that part of it, I've fallen in love with it um, just because I don't feel like I'm so lethargic. I don't feel like I've just, to your point, just sitting on my bum all day and cutting off circulation. So for those of you who are listening who have thought about or considered um, being in that kind of a, a stance, this is a product that you're definitely going to want to check into. But I want to dive even deeper behind the product um, to kind of how it all came about. Um, I love your story, Martin. Um, you were like a, a wannabe um, shipbuilder, a yacht designer, and <laughs> then you, become, you became a reluctant uh, shoe designer. And we're very successful with Keen shoes. I have a pair. They're sitting in my garage. I've had them for probably six or seven years. They're pretty tattered. They've uh, been through muck and mire from Haiti to the Appalachian Trails. Uh, they've been very faithful. And then you went from Keen shoes into designing office furniture. Can you back up for me, maybe reverse engineer yourself and tell the story of how you were able to kind of innovate yourself along the way? Yeah, well, you're referring to an uh, interview I gave to Inc. Magazine, I think, and I'm a little, a little embarrassed about that uh, because I, I had a great experience in the footwear industry. I, uh, yes, I was, I reluctantly went into it, but fell in love with the industry. Um, yeah, I'm f first and foremost, foremost, uh, Angus, I'm, I am an, in, uh, an innovator of products. I love to work with my hands and build things that I conceive uh, in my mind that I, you know, that I, I guess recognize through my experience of living and, and using tools, the tools that we uh, have developed over time. And I, and I always like to go back to the beginning and look at where we came from as this upright uh, creature that, you know, rose to the top of the food chain. Food chain. Right, right. Um, and we, you know, we are tool makers. So a product designer is a, is a tool maker. And w w there are a lot of unintended consequences if the tools that one designs uh, are not thought through all the way and the impact over time and use of these things. You think about TechNeck today and just using cell phones, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's again, it's, it's part of the use of a product. Uh, same goes with, you know, footwear. If footwear is not, you know, fitting your feet properly, you're, over time, you're changing the, the, uh, the shape of our feet. And I don't know if you have any children, but, you know, you see baby's feet and how our, what our feet used to look like. And you look at a, a tribe uh, from Borneo that has never worn shoes, and they have feet that look like like baby's feet. Their mm -hmm. toes are spread. They can, you know, they're they're uh, they're very odd looking. They look very, uh, but that's that's how we used to be. So we've changed our our physical selves over time through the use of these tools, whether they're footwear for, you know, protection, or seating for relaxation. You know, we're now deforming our our backs, and over time, I think there's a study that's been done that we've done. A great deal of of permanent harm to our backs just from adopting this chair that was designed for leisure. It wasn't designed for work. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, I like to look all the way back to the beginning and think about what are what you know. How would you do it if you could do the best and design the best product, the best way of doing something? Um, and I applied that to footwear, and it, and again, both the products that have led to the formation of these two companies were design, designed of my, or born of my own need. Mm. Uh, really, a uh, sandal that protected my toes because I'm a, I'm a competitive sailboat racer. I love sailing 
in sandals in the summertime, but realize that there you know there are a lot of things on the boat that you can you know, whack your toes on, and if you're yeah. wanting to be competitive, you want to watch you know watch the competition, watch the water, watch the wind, and not pay attention to where you're going on the boat. So uh, that's sort of where Keen evolved from. I was in the in the industry for about a dozen years and had been a competitive sailor since I was very young. And these two things sort of came together, and I'd realized this need for sailors and for outdoor adventurers who love to uh, wear a product that's sort of a hybrid, halfway between a shoe and a sandal, protective like a shoe, but open and breathable like a sandal. And that's what, what uh, Keen was born of. And, uh, focal, same, same sort of idea. I mean, I, I was just trying to become the best footwear designer I could be, and to me, that was all about uh, the amount of time I can remain in that flow state of creativity and trying to squeeze as much of that out of each of my my days as, a, as an independent consultant. And I realized it was postural. It was a, mm-hmm. If I was standing, I felt so much more energized uh, than sitting. Um, you know, like everybody else, my first job, I was assigned a cubicle. Uh, and you know, adopted the chair for work. And, you know, that's how we do things. At least that's what we used to think. And I think in 20 years we'll look back on that and realize it was a huge mistake. Uh, but it was, you know, so that was with the development of the first focal seat. It was just trying to give myself a little bit of rest because standing was great, but it's a little tiring after a few hours. Mm-hmm. You want to take a little bit of load off. So that's where that product was born. And you were designing, if I remember, um, I can't remember if it was like the TEDx talk or something that I was watching, you mentioned that you were actually designing some of the first prototypes while you were still designing shoes. So you were obviously already passionate about creating that element. When did you finally decide, like, this prototype is a go? Well, Focal actually came up with the idea before I even uh, developed the concept for Keen. So 1994, my wife and I moved back to New England from California, and I built a red barn behind my house. And you know, I, at that point, I, I was working for myself as a, as a consultant uh, in the footwear industry. I had five clients at the time. I needed to spend a lot of time at my drawing table, so I, that's where I bought the, the uh, height-adjustable uh, drafting table. It was an arch- old architect's desk. And that's where I started over time. I think it took me a couple of years to kind of come up with the first concept for it. And then I didn't really develop the idea for Keen until about five, six years later. So I'd like, I'd like to think that one enabled me to be creative enough to create the other. And then uh, the other became successful enough that I was able, uh, had the ability to then go back to the first uh, idea and say, look, this is another great idea. I want to bring this to the market as well. So I think the things that are very close to us, that impact us personally, uh, that affect how we feel about things are, you know, that's, you really need to take notice of that. I mean, if you notice something that's missing in the world and you find that passion yourself to, to create it, whether it's a service or a product, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you know, the best ideas are born of your own personal need. And I, I remember I worked for a company, one of the two companies that I worked in-house prior to starting my consulting business. And, and this uh, uh, CEO of this company, the owner of the company, told me, you know, don't design for yourself. Design for, you know, this brand that you're working for. And I, you know, I, I never really understood why because if I'm not designing for myself, who, I, I understand that there's a, there's a customer out there that we're, you know, we're designing for for a given brand you know the brand appeals to a certain type of people and i understand that but if I, it the product doesn't appeal to me as a designer i'm i'm not going to be passionate about designing it right and right. It, you know what's going to show up on the market is not going to be something that has passion in it so i think the best ideas are born of need um and your own personal need is you know you just need to be aware aware of what those needs are and and then finding plugging those holes and finding those solutions that uh, that if you have it you have that need millions of other people have the same need yeah and when you talk about you know identifying those things that obviously are very personal to you um how do you transition from you know taking that personal thing being mindful being um 
I guess, present in the moment of that need? Is that a skill that you developed? Is that something that you learned? Or is that something that was naturally inherent in the way you approached the world? Well, I mean, the, the skill for me became a very physical product thing. I'm not a, a coder. I'm not a you know, a very left brain person. I'm very right brain, very tangible. I like to design stuff and I like to make things with my hands. So uh, I'm usually looking for, you know, just when you use a, a kitchen tool, uh, you know that something functions very well and, and sometimes you realize it doesn't and maybe it doesn't bother you that much. But you could tweak the design or modify the design completely and create another category within that cat or another product that you could then you know license that idea to that that manufacturer of cheese graters or uh, spatulas you know whatever <laughs> right, it right. is um, so it's really about you know f function functionality ultimate trying to create the uh, the ultimate tool ultimate functionality so i mean for me it was just you know it was a tool that i needed for sailing and it was a tool that i needed to keep myself creative at my table and beyond that, so, you know, those companies, you were a co-founder with those companies and you always had some partner with you. Was that the left brain? Yeah, I've always had to surround myself with people that can, uh, you know, sort of manage the business side. I, I, I understand business. I, I'm pretty good at business, but I, I don't want to spend my time doing the work of business. I want to mm. spend my time doing the creating the object that is the driver for that business. So it's always about the product. If you have a product that everybody wants, the business follows. Mm -hmm. I don't have a great deal of interest in, in the minutia of setting up uh, all the, you know, the uh, things you need to do for business. It's, it, it, it sucks my creativity. So I try and surround myself with the best people I can to, to handle that side of the business. You, mean you, you don't, you don't like spreadsheets and P&L statements? What what are those? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, uh, if I could have a, um, you know, just a simple touchscreen spreadsheet. Yeah, move this over there. Mm -hmm. Push that down over there. You know, I mean, that's a, that's my kind of spreadsheet. I don't understand why somebody hasn't figured that out. It makes yeah. so much sense. Uh, I yeah. feel the same way about CRM tools too. It's just somebody's got to find a better way. Yeah, that'll be the next product. So one of your compadres shares a name with you with this new company. Mary, is she your wife? Yes, yeah, she's my wife of uh, 20, I shouldn't get this wrong, 23 <laughs> years this year. <laughs> That's awesome. And what is it like, right? Well, obviously, she she's the opposite side of your brain, so that is very complimentary, I assume. Yes. What is it like working with your spouse, uh, building a company from the ground up? Uh, I have had a great deal of fun working with Mary. Um, she realized early on that I was in over my head and volunteered to jump in when I was about to go down to the uh, ICFF show in New York. That's the International Contemporary Furniture Fair uh, in May of 2012, um, four years ago, actually this month. That's when we launched. And I was in the middle of building the trade show booth in my backyard as I as I tend to do, um, and she said, How, "You know, who's going to work the booth with you? What, uh, you know, who's going to be there and to help out?" And she just she realized I needed some help, so right. I hadn't reached out to her. She volunteered, and and she's stuck with me uh, ever since. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great because we spend twenty six hours a day together. Yeah. Uh, it's really you know, we somehow we squeeze another two hours in there every day. I don't know how we do it, but. Uh, it's it's wonderful. We have a great relationship. We're very complimentary. Um, she loves to handle the things that I don't like to handle. I, I, she knows that I'm very good at being the creative thinker of you know what is next, mm -hmm. and she uh, picks up after me. I think that's brilliant. I think I, my wife fits a, a lot of those bills too. She's she kind of looks at something I do and she's like, "Why are you doing it like that?" I'm like, well, "I don't know how to do it." Otherwise, she's like, "Oh, just let me do it." Yeah, no, I feel amazing. I feel blessed. I feel incredibly lucky to have a, a wife like Mary. I think that's fantastic. And so let's back up to that creative process. Um, you mentioned something about a state of flow in creativity, and I know there's a lot of people here listening who perhaps have a more of an affinity for spreadsheets and P and L statements, but struggle in the concepts of creativity or and I imagine if if you're also creative you probably have some human quotients of you know um, emotional IQ and things of that nature as well what are ways that someone who doesn't have those skill sets 
can learn or understand better how to get into that creative flow? Um, again, I do think it is has a lot to do with our physical selves. Obviously, you need to feel ready to receive that that, that creativity. Um, so I think exercise is an import, very important part. So you have literally good circulation, good flow of blood to your your body. Uh, I think continue to move throughout the day, uh, to even just what we call uh, lipa, which is low intensity physical activity. Mm-hmm. You know, fidgeting. You know, uh, when you're standing, sway side, you know, sway back and forth, side to side. Stand on a bongo board. Uh, walk around when the phone rings. You know, don't don't be sedentary. Yes. Yeah. When when you are sedentary, your 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 blood slows down. The oxygen and nutrition to your to your brain, the blood to your brain slows down, and literally you you know you you squeeze less out of the day. So, I think being physically aware, uh, being aware of your physicality and how you how you feel throughout the day is very important. Um, I think drink lots of tea. I like coffee, but I I do I drink a lot of tea. My wife has gotten me onto that regimen and, mm-hmm. and going to China quite a lot. Uh, so I think those two things are the, the baseline. I mean, you really need to lay that foundation. Just feeling good about yourself, feeling like you are okay in that space, ready to receive creativity. And then, then the rest of it to me is just about sort of awareness, kind of trying to be awake and aware and attentive to what's around you and what's going on in the world. Hmm. You know, read, read a lot. Read the paper. Listen to TED Talks. Um, just try and absorb as much. Uh, and just to you know, just generate that stimulation. And do you do you find yourself working a lot, or do you get away? Um, I find myself working a lot. I'm I'm pretty restless. I have a lot of ideas, uh, ones that I haven't realized yet. Um, and I, I just I, I enjoy creating things. Uh, I do enjoy art. I like making. I like throwing pots. Actually, I started to. To uh, really throw clay, start nice. about four or five years ago. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to do that, and I, I've I've taken it to a, like a fish to water, uh, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't spend enough time doing it. I do find I spend a lot of my time working, but you know, it's when you're starting a business, it's uh, it takes a hundred and ten percent. It really does. So uh, I think in the next few years. Um, we're going to be able to slow down a little bit. I think we've gotten enough momentum mm-hmm. uh, that you know, we're really. Uh, and I, I do like to take vacations. Yes, I mean, and I when I take a vacation, I want to go for three weeks. I, I don't yeah. want to go somewhere for a week. I want to go and really just be in a place mm-hmm. with my family. So, do you struggle meeting new people, attending events, and perhaps networking makes you feel awkward? I've created an ebook to give you confidence, helping you connect with credibility and effectiveness. If you'd like a free copy of my ebook, simply go to AngusNelson.com forward slash networking and get your free ebook now. When you, um, uh, you know, you and I met at South by Southwest and, and you were manning the booth along with your team. And your essence of what you stated before of getting your hands dirty, being there in the mix. I mean, you were right there demoing everything on the floor. Um, by the way, uh, you mentioned too about the desk, uh, your background with you working in an architectural desk. I think your upright desk is the only one I've ever seen that had a tilt feature. Yeah. Which it, probably leans itself to your architectural days. Yeah, it's true. It is sort of that was a feature that my architecture desk had, and I had to have that in there. Because I, I find that if you even just tilt the desktop at three degrees, the desk, you see, all of a sudden now you see everything on your desk because yeah. it's presenting itself more to you. Yeah. So to me, it's a little bit more ergonomically correct. And, and our seats, when you, and, and when you're leaning, you tend to, uh, or when you're standing, your arms are better if they're not absolutely flat, but if they're up a few degrees. And when you're when you go back to lean in our seats, your arms tend to to lean up mm-hmm. at a few degrees. So mm-hmm. you know, three to five degrees is the ideal angle, I think. So it's yeah, there are very, there, there are no other desks out there, I think, that have that except for other architectural desks, but not for not office desks. So you've had the liberty of doing a lot of innovation, as you stated before. You were. Uh, independent consultant, so you could come in and you could say, you know, you should think about or you should consider X, Y, and Z. 
And there are other people who work for large companies, large brands, corporate, things of that nature, and they're trying to innovate and they don't necessarily have some of those same kinds of liberties. Um, A, have you um, had to run up against some of the challenges of innovation in large companies, even with your own? And then B, what do you do to either circumvent and create better systems for flow of innovation or go around the system altogether? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I worked in-house for two companies for a total of five years, almost two and a half years at each. And I was an in-house designer. And I, I, found, I found that, that internal uh, in, inside the, the beast mm -hmm. to be a little bit of a... Uh, uh, how would I put it nicely? Um, you know, sort of a brain uh, a motivation suck. Uh, mm -hmm. Just something about you know going, you know, having to attend all these other meetings that are outside of what you've been hired to do. I wanted to spend a hundred percent of my time being a designer. I found it about twenty to twenty-five percent of my time actually, you know, having the time to sit down and create and and generate ideas. Um, so, as a consultant, and I was a consultant for. For, uh, from 1994 until uh, 2001, uh, when uh, I, actually my consultancy career sort of ended uh, as at the events of September 11th. Mm. Uh, all my con my clients at that time laid me off, so I had a, a pretty grand aha moment at that time, and I, I enjoyed being a consultant. But again, and I think it was you definitely can take that sort of more global perspective of a company coming in saying. Look, this is. I'm not in your culture. I'm. I know who you are. I know how you fit into the uh, the puzzle that is the the uh, the foot the world of, of footwear. Uh, I know what your heritage is. I know what you you represent. What your original product was, and you know. So you're able to come in with a little bit cleaner, fresher perspective. Yeah. And I enjoyed that as a consultant. I definitely did. And I I worked with uh, probably 25 brands over the the course of those years. And uh, and really enjoyed it, but they they definitely, uh, you know, you would come up with some great ideas, but the reluctance to actually innovate, I found a little bit depressing. They really wanted to have me restyle old product that had been successful. Mm -hmm. How, you know, they they there's you know there's just this fear to do something completely different, and let's just recreate what what made us successful, you know, last year and the year before or five years ago. Let's try and rebirth that instead of you know thinking anew about okay what's the next level mm -hmm. and i think that's where i was able i was able to come in as a consultant and make these these suggestions not a lot of them move forward because some some of them were a little bit too grand i think because once a company is established and running uh, they tend to want to just make incremental steps forward mm -hmm. uh, so you know and, and my aha moment was all right well September 11th. Do I want to stay in this industry? Uh, I would. I lost all my clients at that time, and realized that I had a chance to to either get out of the industry and do something completely different. I was a little bit frustrated with the industry that by that point, uh, a lot of companies had stopped investing in R and D uh, after September 11th for a couple of years. Uh, but I had come up with an idea uh, three or two years earlier. In 1999, I'd come up with the idea for for Keen, and I realized at that time I said, "I'm just, I'm just going to jump off this cliff, and I don't want to get out of this industry if I don't have a piece." Yeah. So, I uh, you know I built I built Keen, and then uh, finally, five years ago, sold my ownership to my partner and started uh, something in a completely different industry. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was a while to get out of the industry, but uh, I think it you know I literally made a name for myself and which enabled me to do something that was to me I think I felt was much more impactful on society you know I sure I designed incredible uh, footwear that is much more is is very comfortable and protective um very functional and lasts a long time but the uh, the furniture that I'm developing now I I think has a greater impact on on society as a whole Mm -hmm. uh, and allowing us to work in a much better way and feel better about ourselves and and not uh, and have greater wellness throughout the day mm -hmm.
And when you, you know, started these companies, you know, anyone, as you stated before, you know, it's 110%. Anyone who's in, you have to be all in. What have been some of the lessons that you've learned along the way of actually building companies, um, you know, where things didn't go well or things maybe even flopped and failed? And how would you share that with someone who's just starting a company today? Um, again, the, you really need to go back to the beginning and, and lay down an incredible foundation. So I, I'm not saying you, you can prevent failure, but you can minimize the risk if you've done your homework and go about it uh, methodically. So to me, for footwear, I, I started casting a lot of feet. So when I was a, a footwear designer in-house, I was never taught sort of where all these last shapes, the, you know, the, the form that all shoes are made on, where these originally came from. I did work with some last makers, but I never sort of get to see the first last made by the Romans when they were, you know, right after they had paved roads, they realized, oh, no, now we need to make shoes. Right. <laughs> you know, we developed this Oops, road, yeah. now I need shoes. Um, so I started casting a lot of feet, which was, you know, it's sort of an odd thing to do, but people, people, my friends are like, oh, well, he's a shoe designer. He probably knows what he's doing. So I would lure my friends into my barn, and I would, you know, have them their feet cast <laughs> after you know, 20 minutes. And I, I had this whole archive of of, uh, of shapes because I just wanted to learn. I wanted to understand what the variety of feet out there look like. Mm-hmm. And I didn't just cast inbred New England uh, feet. I, I cast feet from you know South America, from Northern Europe, from Japan, uh, from Africa, and just really wanted to get a, an understanding. So, again, building that foundation of understanding where you know, where the industry that you're going to get into came from. And it, you know, footwear came from designing protective uh, coverings for feet. Well, what's the shape of that foot? So I, you know, you lay the foundation, and I really understood feet, and then, and then I started making my last around, you know, those those varieties of shapes. So when you put on a pair of my shoes the first time, and I remember very vividly the first show in Salt Lake City. Um, in February of 2003, both Mark Pagan and Mark Thatcher, the, f- the founder of Chaco and the founder of uh, Teva, came into my trade show booth wearing their their sandals. Even though this was February in Salt Lake City, right. they're wearing their sandals with socks. And I had samples of my my sandals there, and I had a giant boulder in the middle of the the booth. And I said, "Yeah, you know, try try my sandals on. Uh, they're all about protection. You know, now kick the kick the boulder." And then, and then I said, "Now, can you do that with your sandals?" So, you know, I was a little, a little gutsy, in, but I, you know, I, I had created a product line that that fit incredibly well. As soon as you put it on, you realize, "Oh my God, I've had these my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fit. They are very foot shaped. They're not the most beautiful product out there, shape wise, but they're very functional." And the same homework was done with with Focal, and Focal was developed. Over the course of really the first prototype I built in 1994, we didn't launch until four years ago. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's a significant uh, time in development. Obviously, I was uh, lost building a a, a, a footwear brand mm-hmm. uh, in between those times. But at the same time, I was continuing to prototype, you know, what's wrong with this first model that I made? Uh, what's, you know, what, what needs improvement? And again, just being uh, self-critical, uh, also, asking friends, ask your mm. friends what do you like about this? What does not work? I got feedback. My friends got so fed up with me asking questions. I would go to bring, I would bring things to parties and ask people, you know, hey, what do you think about this? And I had some friends who were the you know exact perfect size nine, and you know, I would always bring prototypes and have him wear uh, those shoes. And then same thing with the my seating. I would bring some prototypes of seating and have people use them at their office and get feedback. So it's really getting, uh, you know, doing your found, doing that foundation work and then getting feedback from friends and family and trusted, trusted people. Uh, and again, I'm talking about a very physical object that right. you interact with. Um, you know, it's not a service or a coding, you know, uh, an app, that sort of thing. So it's very, it's very physical, very tangible. And, you know, I needed that the instant feedback from people where they have that aha moment. This is great. Uh, and all my friends thought that, that my sandals were so ugly. So I knew I was onto something. So. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> all 
I remember the first time I put on my Keens and um, I think my wife was with me and they said, do you like those? And I said, I do. I love them because I didn't like all of the like, I guess, European style pointy toes or whatever yeah. that are in a lot of shoes. Yeah. And it was the first time I put on a shoe that actually, you know, kind of made me feel like it was where it was supposed to be. And I didn't even care if it was attractive or not attractive. It just looked right to me and it felt yeah. great. So going back to to building the company, so you're not the only creative person involved. How did you build your team and how did you shape them into the culture of understanding your philosophy and approach? Uh, well, most recently, let's talk about uh, Focal, I suppose, because we have a, yeah. uh, a relatively small team, um, about 20, 22 uh, nationwide. We're 14 here in Rhode Island. Um, uh, except for our, our manufacturing folks, so fourteen sort of in the office in the creative marketing mm -hmm. uh, design sales area um, i we 've hired five fellows from the Venture for America program, and you know so really building building a team around you know we have a uh, obviously our cFO uh, Steve who you you may have met at uh, south by mm -hmm. um, he 's you know he 's the perfect left brain. Uh, partner along with Mary, who yeah. kind of keeps keeps the whole team. I mean, she's like the glue that keeps us all together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have a great accountant here, but also hiring very creative young folks. And I've we've been turned on to this Venture for America program, which is only available to uh, some some areas. Uh, and fortunately, Providence is one. And we've hired five fellows, and these are all just you know they're very young kids, fresh out of college, but they've been vetted through this program. And we've selected some that are great for sales. They're great mm -hmm. for marketing and building uh, affiliate an affiliate program, uh, and then uh, some some uh, uh, creative folks that are doing a lot of our our blogging and creating a lot of our uh, our our visuals mm. within the you know on, on our website and helping us to generate a very cool website. So I think it's important you surround yourself with with folks of different generations. I'm. Uh, I'm 50, and I realize that you know I am of a certain generation, yep. and the world is changing. And that we're designing office products for today's world, for the next world, you know, for the mm -hmm. next generation's world. So I I want to have people around me that can, uh, first of all, give me feedback on the product that that I'm creating, but also, uh, you know, collaborate with using this product. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, which is great. So as a as a designer and manufacturer of office products, you know, functional tools, you know, we're we're like a living lab. Our uh, our office is mm -hmm. so it's uh, it's important to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you in in different areas. And uh, you know, I'm I'm creative when it comes to uh, marketing, but I'm not the best. I need somebody who's you know very very good at executing on a marketing directive. Again, I need to kind of focus on on the product and you know the whole picture of the of the company and the brand. Um, so it's important to find people that are smarter than you in in the uh, you know the, the intended categories that you require. I like that. Um, you know, as you're saying the marketing stuff, I was thinking about some of the cheekiness that is very subtle in the focal brand. Like if you read some of the copy, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. But yeah. there's a little bit of cheekiness in there. There's some asterisks that take you to another area where, yeah. you know, it's like uh, something's not intended. Or the I think it was the thing about the big black rim glass, uh, glasses are yeah. not necessary. Some, but one of my favorites is uh, one of the stickers I actually got. I keep it on my desk um, from South By where it says, ask your doctor if getting off your ass is right for you. I think that's fantastic. So yeah. yeah, well, you know, this industry we're in, you know, it's pretty conservative. The office furniture industry is is pretty darn conservative. There's not a lot of change. I mean, we've mm -hmm. adopted this sit down device, and there's just another iteration of that sit down device each year. Uh, that you know, that's the new ergonomic sit down chair, and and you know, it's still you're still sitting down. You may spend seventeen hundred dollars on on this high end ergonomic device but you know I, I, yeah i want to mix things up a little bit i want to uh you know sort of throw out the the status quo and and not just with the product that we're using but with how you know what we stand for and i think uh 
try and be a little bit irreverent. Mm-hmm. Um, try and be a little bit cheeky. Yeah. Because it, not, you know, this is life. We're living it every day. It's not that serious. <laughs> I mean, it is. But you know, if you're not having fun, yeah. uh, what's you know what's the worth? What's mm-hmm. the worth of it? So. Um, it's fun going to the trade shows. I mean, South by Southwest is different than going to Neocon in Chicago, which is the big you know, furniture fair. Mm-hmm. That's a very conservative. Very, very different. Yeah, very, very different. <laughs> so held at the Merchandise Mart, built in 1880. Um, you know, giant rabbit warren of, of tiny little booth spaces. It's, it's very, very different. But, you know, it's a great industry. It's, it's, a, it's an industry that's, that's providing the tools we, uh, we need to get work done. Uh, I just feel like the majority of those tools that are being sold to people, these ergonomic chairs, are are complete. It's a complete misnomer. I mean, we're we're doing harm, and you know there are ergonomists that say, yeah, well, you really should only sit for for forty minutes. You know, stand for ten, uh, walk around for twenty minutes. You know, there's they have these formulas for you know how you're supposed to spend your day you know using this device well how about just get rid of the device put it or move it to the lounge when you're ready to relax and take it easy you know go and sit in your office chair or better yet sit on a couch or a beanbag um so i think it, it comes from the product line you know being a little bit very not a little bit you know evolutionary uh, difference mm-hmm. how we have uh accepted how we should be working in the in the office um, and at the same time, let's make fun. Let's have a little bit of fun and let's mm-hmm. make work more like play. That's, yeah. that's our, our current, uh, our motto is really, you know, make work play. And, you know, I think the timing, and I don't know if you've looked into all of this, but my day job, you know, we look at the data, the future of work and looking at, you know, more of these large brands, um, are going to be decreasing their in-house workforce. Um, there's more on-demand uh, laborers who are specialists who can work from home as consultants and contractors. There's going to be more people who are going to be trying to, you know, create a lifestyle for them that's very different from our parents. They're not going to the same job 40, 50, 60 hours a week. They may even be staying home and, like myself, closing off my French doors and making sure my kids aren't making a bunch of ruckus while I'm in the middle of a webinar, you know, what have <laughs> you. And getting comfortable with having the lifestyle and the work flow that is most comfortable for me. And I, that's where I really saw your products, and, and it just made sense to me. And, and I just want to just say thank you for, you know, just having the wherewithal to follow your heart and to follow, you know, those passions and dreams and creativity. Because I think when you're present, good things can happen. It, I was just... Uh, coaching a gentleman this week and I was telling him the difference between focus on the future and the past, either one locks you down to some other expectation of what's possible. Because when you look at the past, it's usually full of some kind of celebration you wish you could get back to, or it's some kind of regret or shame or something that you wish you could uh, something or other. And then if you look at the future, you're always focused as, as what could be, and then you set some kind of goal, and then when you achieve that goal, it's never enough. You have to set another goal, and then another goal, and then another goal, and so you're actually never satisfied or fulfilled. You're always looking for the next thing versus being present and celebrating who you are, where you are, and what you're doing. That's when you can maximize and capitalize on your gift. And yeah. that's why I loved your story about just being present with the things that contend with the things that you're doing. Yeah, well, thank you uh, for that compliment, Angus. It's uh, it's kind of you. I mean, I, I I'm just doing what I love to do. I'm you know, it's very selfish in a way. I'm designing products that I want for myself, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that everybody else wants them, which is you know, sort of by design. Uh, and you know, I, I think we all. We want we all want to be more feel more human throughout the day, mm-hmm. and I think humanity has been lost uh, through you know sitting in these chairs. And I just you know the the adoption of this I, I'm so uh, I'm so I don't understand. And, I, and you know it comes back to really it's not been that long. If you think about when we started using chairs, it's really only been since they've been affordable since after the Industrial Revolution. So. What 130 years? Yeah, we've been yeah. sitting on mass, and you know, after the first uh, work management consultant came into Bethlehem Steel um, and said, 
all right, this new group of workers gathered together. This is the best way to control you. Have you sit down. This was mm. an actual prescription by a, a work management consultant uh, it, you know, back in the late 1800s. And we're still living that legacy through cube farms. And we're, getting, we're slowly getting out of it. But I think mm. we're going to look back in 20 years and we're going to look at, back at sitting in the office as you know, now we look at smoking. Right, right. right. You know, would you imagine you know, smoking with your kids in the car and the kids aren't using a seatbelt in the back? Now you wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine them not Never. using a seatbelt or being in a car seat or you smoking in the car with them. It's just our, our realities have shifted, and I think the reality in the office is going gonna, is gonna to shift. And I completely agree with you on the, the whole home remote worker mm. uh, future because the connectivity through visual you know, Skype through FaceTime through you know Google Hangout, uh, you don't have to be there. I mean, there's there's that trust that mm-hmm. you need to establish with with a coworker. We allow our all of our employees to have remote work anytime they want. Um, we do have sales folks around the country that are obviously have to be remote. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it absolutely is the future of work. Is you know if uh, you know everyone is much more accountable individually these days, and they. I think used to be in the past when we all had to show up and show everyone else how hard we were working. And now, look, if you're not getting a certain number of things done throughout the day, whether you're here or whether you're, you know, in your living room with your kids climbing all over you, you know, you're still you're still held to a certain account. So, yeah. uh, I think there's a trust level that's that's gained, and I think there's a freedom and a and a quality of life that the employees uh, feel is a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. You can retain employees by giving them, you know, you know, hey, take a remote day a week, mm-hmm. two remote days a week, whatever you want to do. Or, you know, so I think that's that is the future, and our product is definitely, uh, you know, we're we're definitely in that market. Our first adopters, our early adopters for the first two years, were probably one hundred percent home home workers. So I'm I'm dying to say this, but I think your your product is well positioned. See what I did there. Yeah. Very huh? Good. Huh? Very good. <laughs> yeah, I have a seat behind me that makes my ass go numb, and I hate it. So I, I spend as little time in it as possible. So as we are bringing in for a landing, Mr. Martin, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they go about doing so? Uh, well, first of all, reach out and check out our product at focalupright.com. Uh, you can send me an email at martin at focalupright.com. Uh, Happy to uh, to respond, and if you know, have any questions, you can contact our salespeople here at uh, info at uh, focaluprightcom uh, And then the footwear line, obviously, you can check out what I uh, what I used to do, uh, keenfootwear.com. Fantastic. But thank you, Angus. This has been great. I really uh, enjoyed it. Thank you. My pleasure. And uh, in closing, one of the lines off your website I think is so appropriate. It says that your body is a tool and your product should support it. Thank you, Martin, for being a part of the show. Great. Thank you. I want to thank Martin for joining us on the show today. His insights and creativity are inspiring to me. I I hope that you found the same. And not only do I appreciate uh, Martin Keene, the man, but I'm also a believer in his product. Uh, I have an upright desk, and I've been searching for a solution to assist lengthening my work time and supporting my lower back while I work. And as you heard in the show, I discovered the product at South by Southwest, and I just fell in love with it. And that's kind of what led to us being able to put this interview together. Um, I ordered my own seat, and I want to invite you to do the same. Um, However, I ask that you would do it through my website. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that I've, I haven't done any advertising. I haven't brought other you know, third parties into the conversation or the mix. And this is different because I'm enthusiastic um, about becoming a, an affiliate with Vocal Upright because I believe in their products. And I only want to promote things that I personally use and believe in so that you might be introduced in things that will help you. And if you're not familiar with what that term means to be an affiliate, what that means is that when you purchase something, um, I get a small fee uh, in the transaction. And that helps me support this show and continue to bring you quality content each and every week. So I'd really appreciate if you went and bought your 
um, Focal Upright product through my site, you can go to the show notes page for uh, this episode. Simply go to angusnelson.com forward slash 043. There'll be a graphic there for Focal Upright products. You can click on that graphic and that will take you to their store. And in addition to that, obviously, you're going to find all the links we talked about on the uh, show and um, were mentioned in this episode. So again, that's angusnelson.com forward slash 043. I'd really appreciate it. In addition to that, I would love to know what you thought about today's program or any of these shows that I've already done. I can't believe it's already uh, show 43. It's crazy. Um, come on, find me on Twitter. I'm at Angus Nelson, just simply at A-N-G-U-S-N-E-L-S-O-N. Feel free to reach out to me uh, through Twitter as well. If you're looking uh, to join our Facebook group, we have a private group that you can just search in your Facebook search bar, place the words up in your business private group. You'll see that come up and request entry. I'll make sure that you become a part of the community. Other than that, I am your host, Angus Nelson. Go ahead and tell your friends about this show because the greatest compliment you can give is a referral to someone else. Either tell them in person or go ahead and share it on the web. Keep taking your business up by getting up in your business. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. Thanks so much for joining me. Be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co. Not com.
Do you struggle meeting new people, attending events, and perhaps networking makes you feel awkward? I've created an ebook to give you confidence, helping you connect with credibility and effectiveness. If you'd like a free copy of my ebook, simply go to angusnelson.com forward slash networking and get your free ebook now.